Hello, ladies and gents, and welcome back to the intro. This is your host, Matt Delavalli, a.k.a. MDV, and you're joining me for episode 90, the one about the hot takes on the games, PEDs, and fitness from none other than Mr. James Hobart. That's right. Max and I are back on the mic chopping it up with one of our favorite people in fitness, the undeniable James Hobart. CrossFit Games legend, seminar staff Jedi, and all-around stud, James has done it all in the world of CrossFit. And in this episode, we chat about James's reaction to the 2022 CrossFit Games, his time living and training with Rich Froning down in Cookville, Tennessee, and his tips for improving your coaching and your Olympic lifting. This is going to be a fantastic episode. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Now, if you're a coach or a gym owner out there, you've probably heard me talk about this before, but the NC Fit Collective is the best way to deliver a amazing world-class classes to your gym, to your members every single day. We have two awesome programs that we intend to be running the group class environment, NC Metcon and NCX. NC Metcon is our GPP. NCX is a strength and conditioning variant of traditional CrossFit style programming. So you get a strength portion and a conditioning portion every single day in that program. In NC Metcon, it's a GPP mixed bag variants all the other things that go into a fantastic GPP program. Now, we also deliver, and this is the major key, we also deliver awesome world-class session plans every single day. So your coaches are going out there on the floor fully prepared, gonna run a badass class, and they're learning over the course of their study. So this is how you solve the problem for coaching development within the walls of your gym. You sign up for the NC Fit Collective. We are the absolute best, and we are the best for a reason. This stuff is world-class. Check it out. Now, without further delay, grab a notebook, grab a chair, and let's learn a thing or two about coaching, training, and everything else from Mr. James Hobart. Let's go. All right, ladies and gents, welcome back to the intro. You are joining us for episode 90, the one where James Hobart actually shows up to the podcast oh my god the hardest working man in crossfit the best looking man the best moving man in crossfit his face is on the mount rushmore of crossfit games athletes his face is on the mount rushmore of crossfit seminar staff members and overall one of my favorite people in the biz mr james hobart and oh by the way max isaac is here too i'm just kidding yeah the chop liver the chop the chop liver is here too Love, love both you guys. I'm extremely excited to, to talk to you guys today. Um, in all seriousness, thank you for your years of friendship and support. And uh, this podcast has been uh, the beneficiary of having both of you guys on many times. And I know that you guys are very hard workers. So thank you for sharing your time. But I am really excited to sit down today and talk to both James and Max about a bunch of different stuff that's going on in the fitness space, CrossFit space, functional training space, whatever you want to call it. Welcome back to the intro, James. Thanks, MDB. That was the nicest introduction anyone's ever given me. You know, when you say Mount Rushmore, did you guys ever read Mad Magazine? Yes. That's who's the guy on the face? What was his name? Edward something, right? That's uh, but anyway, when you say Mount Rushmore, I don't feel like I'm on Mount Rushmore. I feel like I'm on the CrossFit. I'm the face of CrossFit Mad Magazine. That's what I want to be. No. I'm gonna yeah. look up what his name is. I'm gonna is. date myself because anyone listening to this will have no maybe they will. How many people do listen to this? Uh, um, we have 17, 17 people. Not well, yet. 16 50. of them won't know what Mad Magazine is, but anyway. If we're so his name is friends Al- and family Alf- members. Alfred. Alfred E. Newman. E. Newman. Is Alfred E. Newman. The, Alfred E. Newman is the guy from Mad Magazine. And 
Um, that was the very first magazine subscription that I had. And (laughs) (laughs) I was, I was so psyched to have it. Do you remember that the, the back of it was a trifold and you would fold it in to to reveal a a hidden image? Um, God, Spy versus Spy. Spy versus Spy. Yeah. So creative. Well, if we did have a really good stuff. Mad Magazine, Mount Rushmore for CrossFit. We could probably put Rudy from Outlaw on there for any OG <laughs> listeners who are listening to this podcast. Oh, he would be on there. That's brutal. Maybe Ricky Garrard, a more modern day Mount Rushmore for Mad Magazine. He's going to be the villain in the CrossFit Games storyline for the rest of his career. You think no, he's a villain? I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so at all. In fact... This year at the games, it was the complete opposite. People at the games this year were rallying so hard behind Ricky Garrard um, because everybody has a short-term memory and nobody really cares. You know, like he – everybody that I talked to was like, yeah, he, you know, served his time four years. He's now back in the limelight. He's doing really well. People really, really wanted him to do well. But it was clear to me watching that weekend unfold that there was a point in time where he was like hanging on for dear life because um, with all of the different gymnastics movements, uh, I think that that was one of the, that was one of the hardest things for Ricky, especially the, the wall facing handstand pushup workout. That was kind of, that was kind of the moment that I was like, Oh, like he'll definitely podium, but some of these other guys uh, just move better than he does. I actually think James? it's really good for the sport that uh, Ricky came back and that he was, uh, you know, back on the floor at the games. I do think that there's going to be a contingent of people that will always paint him in the light of the performance enhancing drug um, offender. And I, I don't necessarily care. I, I'm more in the camp of he, he did his time and now he's back and, and, you know, hopefully if the sport is going to remain a quote unquote clean sport that he's complying to the rules. But I do think it's actually good to create some kind of controversy and um, create some some form of, um, you know, news, some churn about the games. But, James, you were you were at the games, correct? I was I very different capacity than I've done in the past. I um I helped coach workouts in the spectator area, which actually might have been some of the most fun I've had at the games. It was really cool. Um, but yeah, I didn't watch a ton of the events because we were just so busy coaching. But uh, I kind of agree with Max. I think overall the the vibe at the games was was really positive. I just you know other than being a competitor of Ricky's, you know, if I'm a and I haven't listened to any of the athlete podcasts, but if I'm like a Pat Vellner or I don't know any of those other you know, they have their history. I think other than being an athlete, I don't know. Is there a reason to hate Ricky? You know, like, I don't know. Well, I think it's, I think it's a cool story. Um, and I think it's pretty cool of him to, to stick with it. Right. Cause he, you know, you get so blasted and shamed on social media that typically happens to people when you never see him again. Um, yeah. And it's yeah, cool. I, uh... I think that he, that he stuck with it. Um, and I, I kind of feel like he, you know, he paid his time. He did the punishment and um, he's coming back and he's competing and he's competing well. And there are, there are probably lots of people out there who are like, well, he's still cheating. He's still, he's still using PEDs. Um, I would imagine that he was 
tested more heavily than any other athlete leading up to his return. Like, I just, I can't imagine that they, they didn't over test him. I I don't know. Um, It would make sense that they would, but I think, you know, there are lots of people out there wearing a tinfoil hat who would say otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) If they, if they're wearing a tinfoil hat, they also have a room that is lined with copper. Have you ever heard of this? I forget. I forget what it's called. But the people that wear tinfoil hats also have a room that's lined in copper, so Wi-Fi can't get in. Um, Blocks the EMF but, waves, yeah. But um, I I agree with what you said, James, about the four-year ban. For most people, would be a death sentence. the The shelf life of a pro CrossFit athlete. I, I'd love to know what the average is. It's probably close to like a running back in the NFL. Um, What's a running back in the NFL? Short, Pro- I don't know. Pro- probably a few probably years. Two or, probably two or three years on oh, wow. on average. You know, so th- this is the thing. You know, athletes like your 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 Pat Vellners, your Brent Fikowskis, shoot, Cole Sagers, uh, Noah Olson, these people, Travis Mayer, these people that have that have been there for a long time. That to me is one of the most impressive things. And with the scrutiny, with all the hate, uh, agreed. I think it's um, I think it's a really cool story. And also. Like Ricky could have come back and been like a bottom of the barrel or or average games athlete. Coming back and getting on the podium is an amazing story. You know, the 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 other guy this year that got popped, which I, I'd be really, really interested to see if he could ever come back, is that guy Phil Toon. Um who yeah. who was regarded for a while uh, as a pretty pretty high level, like games hopeful. Like people thought he was going to do really well, um, smaller, but incredibly strong, got popped um, for, for steroids. And people have been saying, you know, he looked a little bit iffy, which I, I hate that thing. Like where somebody's like, oh, they, they look like they're on steroids. It's like, okay, relax. I do but, wish someone um, would say that about me. I wish they would say, fuck James Hobart. He looks like he's on roids. I would be, that would be the hap. Not the happiest. Top ten happiest days <laughs> of my life. Yeah, care, careful, careful what you say because your wife will listen to this. Okay, so yeah, <laughs> she will. She's got yeah. it queued up. She said, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't. Well, actually, I don't really know if I'd want to look like I'm on steroids. I kind of like the sleep. Well, you thing. don't. You don't, man. Great. I well, I know I don't. Well, well I'll wh- tell you. Get give me ninety days on the zero one or the one zero. I'll look like I'm on roids, baby. When you're a high-profile person on social media and you do have an incredible physique like Marcus Philly, I'm sure his inbox is inundated nonstop with people accusing him Dick pics. Of, of taking performance-enhancing <laughs> drugs. Yeah. And probably asking him for all the weirdest pictures and all of his old workout gear and whatever else, whatever other nonsense people ask. In the DM. That was very specific. Have you sent him one? No, I, I agree with you. I think there's, there's, a lot, there's, a lot, there's a lot of that out there. Um, and it's an interesting phenomenon, right? Like if you see, so, it's an interesting thing. You, we don't need to go into this too much. You see someone be successful and your, your, your knee jerk reaction is to say that it's fake, not real. They're cheating. Um, or they, or they couldn't do that for some reason, you know, rather than being like, Hey man, great job. And I know like, especially with social media, um, you got to take everything with a grain of salt, right? Because you are seeing everybody's best side on social media for the most part, I feel like. Um, but I do think that's a really interesting thing. And, uh, you know, it's always easy to be in the teapot calling the kettle black. You look at how people reacted to Ricky 
And I just wonder too, how many people have ever cheated or fudged the numbers or, or done something wrong. Um, not to say that people should get away carte blanche with everything they do wrong. And he, he, you know, he did use performance enhancing drugs and we, he should get a free pass. That's not what I'm saying. I just always think it's really funny. Like how quick everyone is to like throw a shade on him. And it's like, I don't know. I just read a stat. I think it's something like 40% of uh, marriage relationships end because of it, because of infidelity or something like that. I don't know. Or people, wow. or, or, or no, sorry, sorry, because of marriages that have ended, like because 40% of divorces, term. 40% of divorces are infidelity. No, I use it as a stark example, right? Because it's like everyone wants to throw a stone and it's like everyone's so far from perfect. So if I think the four years is a, is a, is a good punishment in terms of like serving enough time, I don't know a ton about the science behind that um, as far as like how long do the benefits linger, but um, I think it's a cool story. And um, I hope he continues to have a PED free and successful career. I think that'd be awesome. But so really quick, James, to, to your point, and Matt and I actually talked about this uh, last week. If it doesn't affect you, why do you care so much? Just shut up and keep it moving. The people that should be upset, the people that should be upset about Ricky Garrard testing positive were the people that competed in that CrossFit games and they lost an opportunity to get on a podium. Those people were directly affected by what Ricky did. Other than that, keep your mouth shut because just like you said, nobody's perfect. Everybody's messed up. Everybody's fudged something at some point. If you haven't, you're probably lying to yourself because you actually have to have these moments where Hey, you know, maybe, I don't know, back when I was uh, not doing my math homework in sixth or seventh grade, I cheated on some math homework all the time. I copied off my buddy, Kurt Johnson, back of the class. I never did my math homework. Sorry, Kurt. I appreciate you helping me out. But um, we've all we've all been there. We've all been there. So what? I'm serious. I hated doing my math homework. I was the worst math student. That's why I was an English major. But anyways, if I just like affected, how I chose infidelity and you're like, I copied some math problems. <laughs> well, let, 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 let me also and you tell put you something. Kurt Johnson on blast, by the way. Sorry, Damn, Kurt. Kurt. What, what Kurt do you mean? Johnson. He's a good guy. He R. helped R. me out. No, he's still, he's doing just fine. I think anyway, everybody has done something that maybe they're not proud of, but like you said, everybody on social media wants to just put it on somebody else and get on their high horse and say what a bad person they are. And so Matt and I, our thing now is if it doesn't affect you, shut up. We don't want to hear it. Well, keep it moving. All right. Well, great. Check. We're past that. (laughs) Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. on. One of the the PEDs, it's okay to use them and then take four years off. Got it. Next. Gotcha. (laughs) Okay, cool. One of the things that um, is interesting about the, the sport that we're talking about, CrossFit functional training, is the fact that it's probably the greatest Monday morning quarterback sport that exists. One of them, because the thing that all the fans are watching is the thing that all the fans do on a weekly basis within their own four walls of their affiliate or their gym. So, you know, you do have a lot of, you know, highly involved and invested fans who are participating in, you know, the same quote unquote sport who are trying to do the same quote unquote lifts and all this stuff. So I do understand that. people get emotionally involved in this and that they, you know, watch videos of people and then shit on them for 
you know, not being able to lift a 310 pound sandbag and saying, Oh, how could you not have gotten that to your shoulder? It's like, bro, it's like, you, you should have gone unbroken. Yeah. Should have gone unbroken. Yes, exactly. The should have <laughs> gone unbroken conversation, but let's move past the PEDs and all that kind of stuff. And let's James, just tell me about the experience that you had at the games. I'm really interested. You said that you coached spectator workouts this year um and this is one of the things that i think is really cool about the experience at a lot of these events is the fact that you do have a, such a highly involved and committed crowd that they they come to these fucking things and want to work out yeah i think that was one of the coolest parts about the games this year um was that we saw a pretty big return and i don't know numbers on this but of the international community had a much stronger presence i think with, you know, finally a lot of the COVID restrictions being lifted, you had a lot more people traveling in. So it's just a really nice feeling of, you know, seeing the entire you know, or, or representation of the entire CrossFit community there, which was really cool. Um, like I said, I spent most of my time, there was like a spectator pavilion and there were some where you can like go and get all the swag and see all the vendors and that. And then next to that, there's a whole huge workout area. There's a kid's workout area, spectator workout area and some other little things going on. It's like a cold plunge tub. Um, and we had this, uh, basically it was like an old school regional setup. We had this 20 lane setup with a huge, uh, rogue rig. And, um, we pretty much, um, a couple members of the seminar staff ran classes with the exception of some sponsored classes where you had guys like, uh, from assault fitness coming in and, uh, Chris Henshaw came in. We pretty much ran classes from, you know, 9am till the end of the day. And, um, what was really cool to see is we originally had them capped at like 20 people, but so many people wanted to get in and work out like throughout the week. And we started to raise the cap a little bit. And uh, I was a little skeptical on how it was going to go, but uh, everybody was really cool. Um, you know, no main issues. Everyone was polite, just happy to be there working out. People were super fit. I mean, that's always cool just seeing randos that I have never trained before or trained with, and they just come in and they have all the skills and they learn quick. So uh, it was a really fun time. Um Nothing earth shattering, but it was like just all the good touchy feelies of, of CrossFit. And, um, you know, like I said, the vibe overall, I think was really positive and leading up to the games, you know, the vocal minority had been so chirpy with the workouts in the semifinals and the opens and this and the opens, the open and this and that. And, um, it was neat to see just a really nice vibe at the games. And I, I really liked it. I, I would like to go out and do it again next year. So what, um, what are your thoughts or reactions on some of the um, – I don't want to say controversy. I don't think it's as much of a controversy as, as people are looking at some of the maybe movements that were selected. Um, you know, the crossover double under is one that comes to mind. And then you have um, – there was another article or another commentary that I saw that they had the athletes, like, wearing helmets at one point, pushing something, and, like, there was a, a little bit of, like, a kind of eyebrow raise that if this gets seen by people who might not know what's going on in the greater context, that it looks kind of funky, you know? But this Games was programmed exclusively by Adrian Bosman. This is the first Games in the history of the CrossFit Games that was programmed by Adrian Bosman. I believe all years past were programmed by Dave Castro, and perhaps some of the early years were programmed by Dave and Greg together. Um, but James, Max, any reactions to Adrian Bosman's spin on crowning the fittest in the world? Max, you have, yeah, a, do you, have a re you, you look like yeah. you have a reaction. I have a reaction to everything. So, um, this is coming from the guy yeah. who said, if it doesn't affect you, just shut up. Just keep moving. <laughs> I have a reaction to everything. <laughs> well, I have a reaction to everything. I'm not going to share it all the time. Okay. Sometimes Easy. like, keep, sometimes, 
sometimes like to keep my mouth shut, but I actually, I really enjoyed uh, all the events at the games. I thought they were really cool. They were well done. I, I actually love the fact that a lot of these games athletes were really struggling to learn new things. Um, I think one of the best parts about watching the games is, you know, like, like, like Matt talked about, it's like, you get to see some amazing feats of strength. You get to see, you know, large sets of unbroken chest bars, muscle ups, like all this really cool stuff that the members at your affiliate are like struggling with, right? Like I, I think about the workout that you were just talking about, Matt, with the, the biking and the chest bars and the toes to bar. Since then, I've seen a number of affiliates program that workout at their gym. And yeah, let me tell you, it's probably way different than the way the games athletes did it, right? Like they're doing these massive sets. So I think that's really cool. I like the fact that he introduced new movements. I like the fact that not all of these games athletes are great at these movements. It's the whole point. You want to see these athletes make adaptations during the games. And so I love the, I actually love the double double under crossover. I love the wall facing uh, handstand pushup. And I thought the sandbag event, that sandbag clean event was really cool too. Um, because again, it's just something different, you know, adding in, you know, Adrian's, you know, flair for the strict gymnastics. And I like adding in the strongman aspect of the sandbag. So got an opinion. I'll do a quick hot take. I didn't like the sandbag event, but um, really? Yeah. And, and here's the thing. And what's funny is like, it's so popular, you know, it's like, it kind of had like this viral trend of just, you know, CrossFitters lifting random things and the guy lifting the, the dog food bag in the store. And I think it was the more people I talked to, they really loved watching it and they loved like watching the grind of the event and the fact that the lift didn't take three and a half seconds, like an Olympic lift. Yeah. It was um, like watching it, Dave Castro's 405 pound deadlift video. Wow. Boom. Roasted. Ooh, old um, school. Oh, sorry, Dave. That was brutal. He That's what your 200 not, pound deadlift he's, would look he's, like. He's, um, not, he's not listening to this. So don't no, worry. He's about riding it. his motorcycle up the hill at the ranch or something right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so I don't know. I just didn't, I don't know. It was, it was a cool event. I didn't like it as much as the rest of the world. I really like the efficiency and um, I don't know. I think there's such a beauty to the Olympic lifts. So I'm definitely partial there. I see the space for the sandbag. I just didn't feel like it was a, it was a long event for me. Um, I didn't feel like it was a really pretty event to watch. That being said, I was, uh, it was cool watching these athletes lift the loads that they lifted with the sandbag, but um, wild. Yeah, I didn't, um, I don't know. I still think a barbell would have been cooler, but that's the neat thing about the games is that um, you see some things tested once in a while and you see it and you're like, ah, they're not quite ready for that. Or, you know, the pegboard, great example, ring handstand pushups, great example. Um, and then, you know, sometimes the athletes rise to the occasion and next year that thing pops up again and they do even better. Yeah. So typically one training year after a new event shows up, everybody's um, mastered it. Yeah. The, and I think, oh, did you want to say something else? Yeah, I did. I had another. Okay, opinion. go ahead. The, the, the legless pegboard, I really liked too. I yeah. thought that, I thought that was really cool. That's it. Yeah, no, the slight evolutions of movement. And um, the other thing I think people forget is what there were 15 events. I don't know. But usually... okay, there's more there's more than 12. Um, you know, it, and so the double under crossovers was one movement. They were one movement out of, you know, a dozens of movements and 12 separate events. So 
there's just not a lot of cause for worry there. If it, if it, if we look back on it and say, Oh, that wasn't the right fit or that wasn't the perfect fit. Um, I agree with a lot of people in this space. I think obviously Boz feels this way that as a community, we have not attacked the gymnastic skills as hard as we've attacked the weightlifting. And that's simply because it's much easier to put a two and a half pound plate, another five pound plate on the bar than it is to learn a progression for a press to handstand. Um, and, you know, that's something very core to CrossFit. So I hope that we kind of see that trickle down that we typically see where people in gyms start practicing new skills and maybe pushing some of those gymnastic skills a little bit harder. Um, I like the programming overall, minus the sandbag event. Um, I love seeing some, you know, classic bossisms there. I think it's important for everybody to remember. It's like, while you might have one person who's leading the programming in the games. There's a lot that goes into that. I know from participating in the testing process, it's cool because you get to give a little feedback. Like you're not programming the entire workout, but you're helping make tweaks. And I know a lot of people were involved in that this year. So I thought it was really awesome. I'm did blown away by how. Did you I participate did in testing this year? No. Um, actually, <laughs> uh, a little bit. Um, early on, Adrian sent me a video of him doing some version of a wall facing handstand push up. And if anyone knows Boz, um, he's pretty fit and his gymnastics skills especially relative to CrossFitters are, are way out there. Mm. Um, and he moves pretty and points his toes and keeps his legs straight. And he sends me this video of him doing a wall facing handstand pushup to it with a deficit. And he goes, Hey, can you test something out for me? And, um, I, I went out to the garage and tried it and it took me about 30 minutes just to get upside down. But, um, so I, I did a little, I did a little support with that and just giving him some feedback and thoughts on that. And I, I really liked seeing that event. That was an awesome evolution. Um, but that was the, the limit of, of my involvement there. And I was going to say too, I think it's crazy to see how easy it is for, um, some of those women to, to jerk 200 pounds. That was, um, as insulting to my manhood as anything could ever be. Uh, the, the, the strength on both sides of the equation is absolutely astounding, but, uh, the strength that has been developed on the, the women's side of the CrossFit games field is completely outrageous. It's awesome. It's, uh, not in any way, shape, or form as an insult to anybody. Of course not. It's fucking astounding how strong the women are. Um, James, hey, that, wanted, Max, go, continue. What were you going to say? That event that James is talking about was like, that to me was the separating type of event when people are thinking about strength to make it to the games. <laughs> so yeah, like, I'm strong. I can do these movements just like these athletes. And it's like, you nah. watch Jeffrey Adler push jerk in 300 quickly. You're like, no man, you can't, you can do, you can't deadlift 300 that fast. Right. It's um, I, I, it's, it's like that event, the ability to run fast and it's not like a straight line, right? So they're doing a shuttle run, which as we know, it's like, you're, you're slowing down, you're speeding up. So they're, they're running really fast. They're getting lots of reps on a bar, super high heart rate. I mean, again, I, I just thought that was such a separating event and that just, it just shows you, I think, I think sometimes we see, you know, certain events, certain movements. And like you said, James, you're like, Oh, like, you know, like, Oh, I do muscle ups. I do chest of bars. It's like, yeah, dog, but you don't, you don't push your 300 for reps with a heart rate at 188 feeling like a hummingbird. Um, so, so anyway, I thought that was a great event. All right, MVP, take it away. Well, for all the normal human beings that are listening to this podcast right now, the people out there who are putting in the hard work in the gym a few times a week and trying to 
improve their movement. James, I have a question for you that I, I don't know if I've really ever asked you before, but you are one of the best movers in I've never heard you say that. Oh, no, never. I never, never pumping. No, your... You should say it. Say it one more time for the people in the back. I got to give it to you, buddy. You're the, you're the person in the red shirt demonstrating all the movements on the, the level one manual. You've been in every, uh, every video. Oh, sorry, Max. We didn't make the cut. We moved like a uh, hammer dog shit compared to, to James over here. But James, I what, own that 100%. What, how did you become such a good mover in particular with the Olympic lifts? So anybody out there who's listening to this, who's working on their Olympic lifts, what advice or what coaching tips can you give them to work on their movement, the clean and jerk and the snatch in particular? Oh man, uh, that's it. I, I was real. I'll say this two things. One is I never had a lot of range of motion issues, <laughs> which is sort of like, um, I had a friend, she was telling me she was hiking a 14 er like a, one of the 14,000 foot um, mountains out here, peaks out here in Colorado. And she was struggling with the end of it. And someone passed her and was like, Hey, you know, what would really help you is uh, if you had some rock climbing experience, you know, it's like in the middle of a car crash, you tell somebody they should have wore a seatbelt kind of thing. It's like, my advice is, well, I just didn't have problems learning, you know, any range of motion issues, which is probably what most people's issues are when it really comes down to it, like overhead squatting for the bottom of the snatch, um, landing in the push jerk, setting up in a clean, that kind of stuff. But one of the things was, is I got a ton of coaching. Um, I was very fortunate to get a lot of coaching from uh, Mike Bergner early on, which was really cool. Just right place, right time. And one of the things I took away from him was just the repetition of a warm up. And, you know, he had his Bergner warm up with his skill transfer exercises. And so there was a good period of time when I started CrossFit where that was my warm up every single day. Like I do one or two sets of the PVC. Um, and then I would do one set with a barbell and then I would get to work. And I, I can't say how much value there is in that. Right. But that's, you got to do the on sexy to get sexy. Like no one wants that answer. Um, but that was the answer. There was a lot of that. I remember when we were training down in mayhem too, Rich and I did this thing for probably damn close to six months. It was either every day or every other day. And I would say we were obsessive in our application. I think three times a week is a great way for people to start practicing skills regularly without wearing themselves out. But we would do this drill where we would do basically five to 10 squats every 30 seconds for five minutes. Um, and the goal was to do the squats slowly and in control and move really well. Um, you could do them to a ball as a target. You could do them in front of a wall, but honestly, just taking some of these foundational movements, especially like your squat. Cause if you can't squat, well, all of the other Olympic lifts become a fucking nightmare. Um, and I mean that in the nicest way is practice, practice your squat as much as possible and really start to understand where your limits of depth are. So for example, if you really struggle to get full range of motion on overhead squat, you're not going to snatch very well to below parallel because it's a dynamic lift. Now you have to catch below parallel. So you probably start off practicing the snatch at that same range of motion of wherever you can squat. So I think you're, you want to really base a lot off your squatting capability and just invest in so much in making that squat better. That would probably be my biggest, you know, takeaway. Um, I think a lot of people get obsessed with like the pulling and the hip extension and that stuff's great. And you got to get better at that. But as your squat improves, your setup will be easier. You'll learn how to pull your knees out of the way better. Your landing positions will be better. And that's what a lot of people struggle with. So um, I'd probably, I'd probably start there with the Olympic lifts, 
And um, I got, you know, yeah. I, I got a I got a question for you, James. Um, this is something something that that I've been thinking about for a while. So <coughs> you've you've competed at at a high level individually um, on a team, won the games a number of times. You've uh, you've been a masters athlete because you're old as fuck now. Um, what's your what what's your thought on specialized programming and the need for it in the years that we've all known each other i'm not sure i ever heard you talk about a specific program you were following now granted you have a much larger base knowledge than a lot of athletes right you're you're a phenomenal programmer you you write programming for for cap i mean you've probably written workouts for the main site stuff like that but what, what's your take on all of these specialty programs? Is it too much or is it needed? All I got to say is just, you know, five sets, three weighted pull-ups. That's all you need, people. Um, Let's go, baby. Let's go. <laughs> um, you know, specialized programming. But I did stuff that was targeted toward weaknesses. I reached out right. to coaches – there was, I didn't step into stuff that I had no business stepping into. Like, um, if you just, and we, we don't need to go into this. I've always said like the reason, you know, the reason cross has been around as long as it has is because it works. It truly is a thing that works. Like you go apply the level one methodology and it works scale. You could scale. I could scale every workout from now until the end of time. I'm still going to maintain fitness and get a little bit fitter. Um, that's really nice. And I, I do think people probably once they start doing that and then they want to improve, they probably don't know enough or are not receiving enough coaching to know how to use CrossFit to target weaknesses effectively. So they often just want to quickly redirect. I almost said jump ship, um, <laughs> but I don't mean that. Um, they, they often want to redirect and then go on something that's like this, this specialized programming and, and just only weightlifting for six weeks. And they come back and wonder why their CrossFit is, is terrible. If you're looking to just be a generalized athlete. Um, but I definitely received coaching from coaches who were specialists, you know, the Chris Henshaws of the world, um, the coach Bergners of the world, Jason Lydon, um, fill, you know, fill in the blank. I was very fortunate to work with a lot of those people. I don't think there's wrong anything wrong with doing specialized programming. There's no need to moralize it, but I do think if you are really if you really want to keep doing CrossFit, there's more intelligent ways to shore up your weaknesses by you know before you just go off on a tangent on some specialized program. Very well, Switzerland of you. Yeah, I appreciate that answer, and I I, I agree. Um, I, I, I personally think that if people want to go and spend their money on a specialized program to, you know, suit their needs or their goals or to just spend their money that way, that it, it's fine. Do I think that everybody who is on a specialized program actually needs it? No. But, you know, there's also something to your history, James, that, you know, I think is unique in terms of your development as an athlete where you were able to participate in these huge outlier environments, like the, the outlier environment that existed at Reebok CrossFit one that not a lot of other athletes might have had, had access to where it was, you know, you, uh, awesome Aliolo, Spencer Hendel, uh, every other big ga- games athlete in the Northeast kind of training together, uh, at all times, you could look at that and say, Hey, that's a specialized training environment, maybe a specialized training program. Was it formally written down? No, but at the, 
also the, the time that you spent in mayhem. I, I, I always forget that you went down there and that you immersed yourself in that environment, that you actually lived there. You lived there with Rich and the whole mayhem crew for how long? I mean, I was down there on and off for, for a little over two years. Yeah, yeah. You were down there for quite, quite some time. Talk to us about what, what that was like compared to other training environments that you might have found yourself in, because obviously there's a method to the madness of what's going on down there to have years and years of continued success for the teams that, that Rich is putting out there on the floor. Yeah, I, I've said this a lot. And before I get to that, you know, part of me wants to say, but I don't know if I want to commit to this. I do think game, the competing in the CrossFit games is specialized CrossFit training. I think that's 100%. fair to say and, and not, not, not totally controversial. Um, I still think you get a lot of the best things that CrossFit provides, but you are, you know, you're not, you are preparing for the unknown and unknowable, but there is sort of a, we've seen some changes this year, but there still is like, a regular cocktail. There's a certain number of events. We're going to get the long event. We're going to get the heavy event. Um, you know what time of year it's happening. You know the stages to get there. So there definitely is some tailored specialized training toward the games. Um, as I've said before, I mean, for me competing, it was it was really just a, just a full-time job. Um, and I think this is where a lot of wires get crossed for people. I think this is the more important point is that um, we were trying to make as much fitness happen as possible in a limited amount of time. And you have to try and change some things and experiment a little bit. And we definitely did that. And you're training more than the average athlete, which is the truth. But I think for most people doing CrossFit who want to see benefits, um, you don't need to train that much. And that's something I can't see, say enough. And I used to be a real lunatic about this. Like if you're training more than one time a day, you're an idiot and you don't understand CrossFit. Here's the deal. If you want to go into the gym and you have the time and your, your family's not going to kill you, for, for being in the gym for three hours a day and you want to do that and you're safe. Like I have no problem with that. I just think the message that I want to keep putting out there is like, regardless of what I did in my past in competitive training, what other athletes did, if you just want to reap the benefits of CrossFit as a fitness program, show up five times a week, go to an affiliate that you love, um, get coached by coaches that you like. And you know what? It's okay. I think to be a little picky choosy about programming. If you go to one affiliate and you're like, yeah, I don't, I don't love their programming, but I went to this affiliate and I love their programming and that gets you to show up six out of the seven days. I think that's freaking great. Um, so like I said, you know, for me, it, the training was a full-time job because we had a very narrow goal, but um, I just, I do want to keep reminding people that you don't need to train that much to see all the benefits of what we're doing. I think a uh, couple, couple really good points here, James, and something you're talking about, which is, you know, volume of your training when when you were there in cookville and you know this is you know rich rich coming on as being one of the goats of crossfit he i i thought he really was the first like high volume athlete right like he he introduced and you can correct me if i'm wrong kind of like a new concept and you just said it we're trying to do the, the most amount of fitness in the least amount of time. He was kind of this first high volume trainer. But I think something um, that I think you've talked about before is figuring out actually how your body responds best, right? Some, some athletes can handle high volume really well. They're, and and there, are, there are games athletes right now that don't handle, you know, in the off season or as they're ramping up incredibly high volume going into it. Right. So they have to limit 
their amount of volume. So I think it is important, you know, if you are trying to be, like you said, this competitive athlete to figure out how your body responds best. Um, so I think, I think that's really important. And I also love what you said about if you're, if you're working out an affiliate, I 100% agree that if you don't like the workouts that are being done at the affiliate, go to another affiliate. This is the, this is quite literally the best part about the affiliate model. I love the fact that we're affiliates and we're not franchises. I love the fact that every gym can have their own flavor. That's what you want. You know, the, the idea that everybody's going to fit neatly inside of one box and in one box is impossible. You know, to, to run, I believe, a good affiliate, you cannot have three, four, 500 people. I mean, maybe you can. I don't know how that works. You know, I think that the special sauce is making sure, you know, you have a couple hundred members, you have some really invested coaches that are making real connections, and you have programming that people like to do. It, it, there, it has to be fun. It has to be engaging. And my, my last thought is I remember one of the first times when you came back from Mayhem and you're like, hey, we do these 30-minute warm-ups. And you're like, we're going to start doing these 30-minute warm-ups. And they'd be things like minute one, 250-meter row, minute two, 20 GHDs. Then you do another 10 minutes, 250 row, 10 strict ring dip, another 250 row, 10 strict pull. We'd finish the 30 minutes. I'd be like, I'm done. You're like, all right, we're going to start the workout now. <laughs> and that's and that's when I knew that competitive CrossFit may not be for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to I want to hit on something you you said right there, which I is I've been thinking about lately of why we see some repeat winners um, at the games aside from just like their individual capacity. I do think there's something when you win, um, I think it's, you kind of understand what is the recipe to get me here. And I think there's something really special about that. Like you can make it to the games and you know, some things that'll get you back to the games that you have to do for you. But I think those athletes who win have such a unique position and they can look back and say, great, here's all the stuff that got me to win. But also what they know now from competing that weekend is they know what all their weaknesses are. So not only can they go back and keep doing all the things they did to get them there in the first place, but they now know all the little tune-ups, you know, it's such a unique position. Whereas if you get third, you're sort of like, Ooh, I know all the things that took me to get third. I know what I'm weak at, but fuck, I still don't know what it takes to get first. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons we've seen, you know, you see these repeat winners, like they just get locked on and they figure it out. And not to say that other athletes aren't nipping at their heels because that's clearly happening. But uh, I think it's a super interesting thing with CrossFit. And I think that's one of the reasons we've seen people um, who have sat on top for so long. How, how are we not talking about Roman Prenikov? Like how there are so there are so many good stories. And I was talking to somebody about this. There, I think, you know, the, the, the first place athletes, Tia's dominance, Justin starting some dominance, Ricky's story. But there are so many stories that happen at the games, which I was like, it's such a bummer. They're overshadowed by like Tia's, Tia's wins. You know, Roman is one of them. Um, you know, Ariel Lowens, you know, continued to be an awesome athlete. She has an amazing story. I've said this a million times. The fact that Brooke, Will, Brooke Wells recovery, fifth place finish, like, the fact that that's wow. not a huge story, like that needs to be, that shit should be talked about. Um, yeah. But yeah, Rome, Roman's story is amazing. And I think he's hanging out in the States for a little while. Um, so I'm, I'm Well, pumped. I think the, the reason I want to talk Matt has about something Roman. to say, Max. No, no, no. Max, let's let's wrap up the chapter on Roman Kremenikov. What do you got to say on Roman? All I want to say about Roman is I think it's amazing that he came in second after essentially taking four or five years 
to just be able to compete at the games, I believe wholeheartedly, and I mean, there's no way to back this up. Like if he had been able to compete the last couple of years, he'd win it. You know, that this is his first, his first year at the games, his coming out party. He comes in second. Let the man compete. That was uh, Matt Frazier's first uh, appearance at the CrossFit Games, right? Came in second place. Yeah, I was, think so. Did Justin Medeiros have a first year second place or a first year first place finish? I actually don't know the answer to that. Oh, boy. Oh. Let's check. We we'll need a guy. We'll figure it out. One question that I wanted to ask you guys, because, you know, there are hopefully a lot of coaches and athletes that listen to this podcast and this whole idea of programming not being fun or not being something that the athlete is enjoying. I think that this is a really yeah, interesting, third. really interesting topic. Justin got third place in his third, first, game. first, first, yeah, third, first, first impressive. Nonetheless. Um, and that obviously I was being sarcastic. That's fucking really impressive. <laughs> the, the question that I wanted to ask you guys here, and maybe we tackle one of these and maybe we tackle another down the road, but if you are a coach in a gym, and let's say you do have responsibility or you do have the authority to answer this question. And a member comes up to you and they say, hey, listen, I'm, I just don't like the workouts that I'm doing here. In fact, I think the workouts that are going on down the block at whatever gym are so much cooler, so much better, and so much sexier that I need to go and do my workouts there. Peace How out. Peace out. What do you say to that, Max? Well, how do you guys, how do you, how, as a coach, do you guys recommend somebody handles that question from a member? Because it happens. It happens in gyms every day. So what, one of the first things I tell anybody who comes to try out my gym is the gyms in the area and that I think they should try out all the gyms before making a commitment to one. So that's the first thing. If you have, if you have somebody who's interested in joining the gym, um, first, you need to be able to give them your 30-second kind of eleva elevator sp uh, spiel about like what, what the gym is about, what you're about. From there, also talk to them about, hey, these are the other gyms in the area. If this is somebody that has been at your gym for a while, they're, they're not enjoying the workouts, um, I, would, I want some real feedback. You know, what are the things that you think we could do better, right? You know, that that's what I, I, I like constructive criticism. So I want to know what I can do better. If it's just that, Hey, you know what, dude, you, um, you program running. I hate running. Um, you also program like weightlifting. I, like I, I don't want to snatch. Well, we're a CrossFit gym. So I think there's, I think there's degrees to this. Um, but again, first things first is, um, letting people know what, what your gym is about and then also letting them know what other gyms are around. I want people to try out different gyms. I want people to feel like it's a good fit. It's also why we're a no commitment gym. You sign up for a month, you can leave after that month. We don't have any, you know, don't have any contracts or anything like that. James, what's your take? Honestly, I think that's a really good answer. I don't, I don't think I have a ton of insight to add in there, you know, other than trying to find the coaching solution, you know, really trying to talk to people about, hey, what is your goal? Why are you showing up? How can we maybe use the programming to target whatever your goals are and weaknesses? I think there are so many coaching solutions. And I think one of the problems that a lot of coaches run into, whether for whatever reason, I don't know the reason, is that someone will complain about the programming or not wanting to do something. And the coach has no other tool than to just say, well, you just need to do it. 
Um, you know, and, and, and I, I haven't run into my experience when people have been maybe a little bit frustrated or not like the programming. I haven't run into an experience in my coaching where it's, it, where they've complained and I've been like, okay, well, let's just change this for today. You don't want to snatch today. Great. Do you want a dumbbell snatch? Okay. You'll dumbbell snatch or whatever the option is. Um, and I haven't run into a scenario where I've done that. And then that's spread like wildfire throughout the gym. And then no one's doing the programming. You know, it's like always been these little one-off, like, all right, we'll change this thing for a day. You know, like the one is like, I don't know, jump roping or double unders, you know, it's like, there are some athletes out there who maybe have recently had a kid or something like that. And there's a lot of reasons they really don't want to do a double under or they're going through, a you know, whatever the reason is. And I'm not going to be like, well, you got to do double unders. You know, like there's got to be another option out there or somebody who has just been grinding their ass to get below parallel in, a, in an overhead squat and snatches show up. And they're just like, I just really don't want to suffer and struggle today through an overhead squat. And I think it's like, OK, well, what's the coaching solution to that? And maybe there's, you know, like I said, maybe a dumbbell snatch day. And I think that's all right. Um, I don't think coaches out there are equipping themselves with enough tools to be able to do that kind of stuff successfully. Well, and, I think uh, on, a, on a day-to-day yeah. basis, when you're making movement substitutions or you're adjusting workouts for your athletes to better meet their needs or, or to suit their goals, I think that 100% coaches need to be armed with the knowledge and the awareness and the ability to have those conversations and to give the athlete what the athlete wants and needs and balance those two things artfully for them. Because you can't always give the athlete 100% of what they want because then you're never giving them what they need. And you can't give them what they need all the time because maybe then they're never getting what they want. But in terms of the athlete who comes to you and just says, and let's pretend we're in a, in a gym with a well-rounded program where the coaching is – pretty spot on where they are having the opportunity to make adjustments. And they, the athlete just says something along the lines of, I just don't like the work. The workouts here suck. You know, like one of those kinds of uh, pieces of feedback where that person is not having fun. Maybe they have a grass is always greener type of mentality. And they're like, Hey, I want to, I want to go and do this program. Or, Unless the programming changes, I'm going to go and join this gym. I think that these are rarer occasions for people. I hope they're rarer occasions for people because it's a difficult conversation to have. But it's almost, as, in my opinion on this, that there's almost a point at which some of those athletes reach a level of knowledge where they, ha they know enough to be dangerous, but they don't know enough to understand why they might need to just stick with the current program that they're on and maybe make some, art some artful adjustments like we were just talking about, maybe make some substitution maybe start to think about your own weaknesses and how you're approaching these workouts, maybe needing to check yourself a little bit in terms of like being the person who's grinding against, you know, Diane, the 225 pound barbell and not being able to finish the set of 21 unbroken. But then you're saying, Hey, I need to go and do this other program because this isn't working for me. I, there's a, a weird tension there that I think exists sometimes that um, I was hoping you guys maybe had some insight on because it's a tough one. Well, you I know just, what? What, Mr. Max? <laughs> we don't we don't ever have to deal with that because we don't have people like that at our gyms because they're all super nice. CrossFit Tilt, everybody. The best gym in the Northeast. It is we're an good. incredible affiliate. We're we are we are uh, we are a good gym that has really nice people. I'll tell you, the person I get pushed back from the most is my mother. So um <laughs> that <laughs> don't talk about my mother. No, in, in, in all seriousness, and, and I'll put all cards on the table here, 
I let my mom do whatever she wants. My mother is uh, 75 years old. She's been a uh, modern dancer her whole life. There are some movements that she loves and some movements that she hates. And nine times out of 10, if she's like, I freaking hate this movement, I'm like, what do you want to do today? I will write you your own workout. Give her a kiss on her forehead. Keep it moving. Whatever you need. So I'm only giving my mom. I'm only giving my mom what she wants. I love her too much. Oh man, there's a great joke right there. You just left that out there. I'm only giving my mom what she wants, and I you just throw that up like a softball. I wanted uh, to say I, I do the a, same thing, Max. This is a family friendly um, podcast. We can't make these. Thank jokes. you, Jesus. <laughs> no, I, mean, I I think you just what you do need to do is when you get feedback. I don't think you always need to reflexively knee jerk and change everything, but you should look at like, well, does everyone feel that way? Does my programming suck? Have they given me constructive feedback that is useful? You know, am I running six days a week and it's December and it's in the Northeast? Like, yeah. And, you you know, and you could stand there and be like, well, it's CrossFit. My members need to be hard. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> but, you know, they are paying for a, a fitness experience that while challenging and aspirational should also be enjoyable. Um, you know, they got to go to work. They can't be frostbitten the rest of the day. So I do think you need to take a pause and just always have insight into your programming. I think people should track their programming to whatever level of that is. I don't know. We can talk about that in a different podcast, but you should check that stuff because if, if it is a systemic issue, you need to take a hard look at maybe what changes you do need to make. Um, that you, being said, are you talking from the programmer's perspective or from the athlete's performance perspective or both programmers? Like I said, you know, if, if we're not going to, like I said earlier, I think you need to try and take a coaching solution, but if that's off the table, you know, if you give them the, the nice little second question, talk about, Hey, what goals do you have? What, you know, how can we, work on this to teach them about targeting. If that doesn't work, you need to see, is this something that's common throughout my gym? What's going on here? What is the culture I've created in the past that has, has led athletes to feel like they can be so concerned with the programming or they're feeling like they're not getting what they need, or they have so many opinions on the programming. Because when I've been to great gyms, gyms like Max's, when I've been in a class like yours, you know, it's like, you're creating a culture and environment where like the athlete's don't feel the need to have ownership over the, how the gym is run. Um, but you know, the bottom line there is if someone gives you that feedback, you should take a quick look at it. See, is it systemic in your gym? If it's not, you can't take the opinion of everybody who walks by. Mm. Well mm. said James, well said. And speaking of getting to work, I know that both of you men are busy fellas and that you've spent an hour you're 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 busy too matt don't yeah man you know, you're not not everyone is you're busy man i listen you're I, busy so man. Busy, busy hanging up all those pictures in your house look how well oriented they are nobody can see this because we don't have the technology to put the podcast on videos yet it hasn't been developed. you guys should see this the geometry between these fo these photographs is incredible that's probably one of my favorite features of the home. We have uh, the six celebrity mugshot pictures. In, uh, Who's that? You got James Dean up there? No, James Lindsay Dean. Lohan. Lindsay, oh, oh, Lindsay Lohan would be a good addition. Hey, uh, Kevin I Spacey is the one you need. Kevin no. Spacey. No, 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 no. No, we can't have Kevin Spacey anywhere near the house. <laughs> Kids. You know, live too close to a middle school. He cannot be anywhere near the house. Oh, All right. Here's uh, the final thought. Max uh, and I have started doing AMRAP one-minute max push-ups while the other uh, individual does their final thoughts. But we won't do that today. What I will do is I want, I want to ask you guys for one piece of advice for a person who is coaching or is an aspiring to coach 
you guys have decades of combined experience. What's your one piece of advice for anybody out there who's currently taking the floor and going out there and trying to change lives with this wonderful functional training CrossFit methodology that we all love? Take right. class. Oh, that's good. Oh, okay. what do you it. mean? Take, take class. If 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 you are if you are coaching at a gym and you're not doing your gym's programming you're not an effective coach and part of the community. So if you want to get people to buy into you, if you want to learn more about the gym, it can all be solved by taking class and being an active participant in the community. Very oh. hard to get very hard to get people to be bought into you if you're not actually bought into them, if you're not bought into the programming. Imagine that same hard-headed member coming up to you and saying, "Hey, this programming isn't for me. It's not it's not super fun. I'm trying to do this, this. You're like, dude, hey, listen, I'm actually doing the same programming that you are. You know, I actually find it pretty challenging. Like James said, let's talk about your goals. James, go. Um, I actually have a fun little announcement to make. Announce? What? I'm, a, I'm officially on the coaching roster at CrossFit Mafia in Erie, Colorado. Woo! Ooh, congratulations. Yeah. Freshly. Congratulations freshly... to the members of CrossFit Mafia. That Fresh, is, that's uh, amazing. Maybe congratulations. Freshly no, minted. that's amazing. Um, no, yeah, I've been coaching regularly again. And I, I've, gosh, I, I swore a lot on this podcast, but holy, I miss it, and it's fun, Good and they're you. a great gym. Um, so, um, I feel super fortunate to be there, and it's run by uh, wow. Brandy Kincaid, who's an awesome uh, seminar staff member, an amazing affiliate owner, and great person all around. Um, if you're a new coach, my advice is to write your class plan down on a three by five card. Could write a lot, could write a little. Um, you know, no plan survives contact with the enemy. Lots of wild things to go down in a class. There's a lot to keep track of. I think it's okay to, to hedge your bets a little bit and give yourself um, some extra tools to handle all those things. And when you don't no longer need it, you can stop doing it, but it will help you early on. I know a lot of coaches that did it. Um, I did it and, it and it's a cool little trick and it's okay. I love that. I love those two pieces of advice. My piece of advice here is have some fun with this stuff. Have some fun with it for with the members, not for yourself, not your own comedy hour, not the selfish uh, fun that you're putting yourself into because you want to show your uh, how, how funny you are, but enjoy your time that you get to spend with the members. They are literally paying your salary, paying your wage, and they're spending their hard-earned money to be there with you. So have some fun with it. Max and James, thank you for joining the intro. Hopefully have you guys back on soon. Ladies and gents, we will talk to you next time. Peace. Bye. Hello, friends. MDV here. Thank you for listening to the Intro with MDV podcast. And if you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe for weekly downloads wherever you listen to your podcast. Remember, we have a new episode coming to you every Tuesday. And if you have time and five stars to spare, please leave me a rating and review on iTunes. If you're looking for more out of me, MDV, you can find me on Instagram at MDV underscore FIT. Until next time, friends, let's go.